the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Coming up this hour, Ukrainian seminaries plead for help. And then we're joined by Todd Chapman from SOS International. You're listening to The Common Good. Everybody, welcome to the Common Good here on AM 1160. Hope for your life, alongside Aubrey Sampson. My name is Brian Fromm. Glad to have you with us on this Monday afternoon. Aubrey, spring has sprung. Spring has sprung officially. It has happened. Not only officially, but in feeling. Mm. It is 70 degrees outside right now. It is warm. The sun is shining. Birds are chirping. I feel Flowers like we're are blooming. There we go. There we, we go. Everyone's walking down the street singing. <laughs> it's all it's a utopia. good, good time. So we hope you had a great weekend. We're glad that you are joining us on this Monday afternoon. But Aubrey, we, there's only one spot to start right now, and that is we spent all of last week pointing to your birthday, <laughs> which right. was yesterday. That's right. It was your, I don't know, maybe your 31st birthday mm-hmm. again. Accurate. Yep, yep. And so how was it? Give us a, give us the Reader's Fabulous. Digest version. Wonderful weekend. Went out to eat with my hubs. Went out to eat with the fam. Had a lot of fun. Played some games. Watched some movies. Opened some presents. How did your cake. husband do with the gift? That's all we want to know. You let you you had some doubts going into the weekend. He did wonderfully. Good. Yes, he bought the thing I sent him the link to. <laughs> and such is marriage and, and birthday. That's how we've been together twenty one years. Thank you, everyone. I always know when we're nearing Christmas, nearing her birthday, Carrie. I will always get that Amazon link. Hey, if, yep. if and it always starts out. If you're looking <laughs> if for you need ideas, an idea, yes. if you're, and I always say thank you and write it right I back. I was looking for ideas. Well. Thank you. Uh, happy birthday. Thank you. Well, I know it was that. yesterday Thank and you. Uh, glad for you. Glad it was celebratory for you. Kevin on fr- on Saturday, you on Sunday. And so now we can start talking about my birthday in May. We'll just start building. <laughs> start building up now. I exactly. like it. I like the way you exactly. think. Exactly. In a much more serious news, Aubrey, we uh, now have been on, you know, going on a month now of talking about what's going on in the Ukraine. And, and it still is. It, that is the correct word, right? It is unbelievable. Yeah. It is, um, you know, it, it's difficult. Uh, in many ways, when you see the pictures, it's apocalyptic. Yes. It, all of these things, all of these uh, words come to mind to describe what's going on in the Ukraine right now. And you and I have tried to take our focus to how do we pray for the mm-hmm. church? How do what do we think about? What, how does a good God let this happen? You yeah. know, all of these big questions. And over at Christianity Today, just today, they wrote uh, this. Ukraine's evangelical seminaries are pleading for help. Hmm. How much longer, Lord, and God break the bones of my enemy now equal hallelujahs as leaders mm-hmm. ask for advocacy and assistance lamenting the silence by Russian Christians. So I do want to ask some bigger questions, but just reading, you know, the Ukraine, Mm -hmm. the one that jumped out to me is these seminaries in Ukraine, these Mm -hmm. leaders going, how much longer, Lord? Like, what do we do? And so it reminds us, right? Like, we need to be praying for them. Oh, absolutely. We need to be praying for them. And we... I think I told you last week, Brian, that uh, uh, Gail Stubbs, who was on the show, he was leaving our church to go to... Yeah, he was headed to the Poland border and... So yesterday was his last Sunday here, and he was so emotional. Like, my friends I'm talking to, friends I've already lost. Like, it's just there are so many people here in the States impacted by this. And then you think about that times infinity. And I don't know, you know, the devastation that the Ukrainian people are facing and that there seems to be no swift end to it. We absolutely have to be praying alongside them that God will be there, God will sustain them. And for an end to this war, period. That's right. That's right. And people, uh, this article is really good. I'd encourage you to go check it out as they talk about what they're wrestling with in the seminary. They're trying to call on the Pope to, to make some big statement. All of this wow. of what's going on. Wow. And he's, they say two uh, interesting things here. Uh, one is you get a picture of how overwhelming it is because mm-hmm. not only do you have the full-scale destruction, you have the loss of life. Like, that's primary. But you also have all the refugees right now. Yeah. And all that's going on. But let me also then just read this quote. 
they said yet he this uh, this person they're interviewing yet he still sees God at work. They're mm-hmm. learning the meaning of incarnational ministry. Neighbors promise to visit the uh, the seminary campus when the war is ended. Bibles are distributed to soldiers and civilians alike, and we're seeing this great impact. Uh, of a move of the gospel. And this is something we see back in the early church in the book of Acts, don't we? When there's great persecution, when there is great danger, when there is great evil and darkness, in a weird paradoxical way is those are the times that we see the gospel going forth in amazing ways. And something, somebody, I forget who we were interviewing last week, was talking about how this is like basically like a dispersion right now, that the Ukraine is a heavy evangelical Bible believing in, and they're moving out into Poland and they're yes. moving into new areas yes. and the gospel's going forth. Yes. And so I don't want to minimize right. what, like, this is terrible. Yes. But God is still at work, right? Yeah. I mean, I think that is the complicated thing to hold both of those things at once because I, uh, you're exactly right. Like, it is in these places where somehow God's goodness and God's, the gospel of Jesus Christ goes forward. Mm-hmm. And you don't ever, ever want to say, Therefore, this is justifiable. Yeah, Not this that, is fine. No. But, but what you can see is somehow in the midst of what is so horrific and so evil, God is there and doing something. Mm. And and that ideally is, and as we pray, we should pray that those evidences of God being on the move really um, keep the Ukrainian people's faith strong and their hope alive. And they get more and more glimpses of God doing good things. Because once I think you stop seeing the presence of God at work, what, what then, right? Then you're, I mean, you are fighting for your nation. You're fighting for your family. You're fighting for other things, but I am praying specifically that the Lord would show up tangibly right. for the Ukrainian people so that they sense his presence with them. Amen. Valerie Antonuk, president of the Baptist Union of the Ukraine, said this. And let me end with this. He said, stand with and for us in this spiritual breach and hold this shield of prayer over Ukraine. We pray today that God will allow our country to persevere and win and to defend the freedom that is so important for spreading the gospel in Ukraine and in Russia. So if you're thinking, how can I be praying for the people of the Ukraine? Uh, There it is. There's some ways. Uh, So I thought it was important to talk about that as we get this Monday show rolling. Are you are you following March Madness at all? The NCAA tournament. I know it's your birthday weekend. We'll give you an out if you need it. Okay. It it was on the background at a restaurant I <laughs> ate count. over the weekend. Doesn't count. Oh, but I I said, oh yeah, at one point. So that doesn't count. Nope, doesn't okay. count. All right. A uh, couple different things about March Madness. Lots of upsets. Uh, my family does a bracket, and this is like the fifth year we do a bracket. Yes. Me, my wife, and our three kids. Love that. And I follow sports much more, along with my son, much more than anybody else yes. in the family. This is year five or six. The only person who has never won the bracket challenge in the Fromm family is me. <gasps> Come on. Nope. I do feel like sometimes these brackets work in favor of the non-sports. And my bracket is trash this year. So Already anyway, sad. So that's okay. one thing. A lot of you are probably feeling the same way about brackets. Number two, though, the Cinderella team right now. St. Peter's College, the 15 seed who has won two games from my home state of New Jersey. Oh, well done, sir. Thank you. Uh, And do you have pride? You know, you've got pride, Oklahoma, right? You got pride from where you grew up. I have great pride for New Jersey. And so with that in mind, I want you to hear my favorite piece of audio, not just from this weekend, but from a long time. Shaheen Holloway, the coach of St. Peter's. Give this a listen. I'm going to say this. It's going to come off a little crazy. I got guys from New Jersey and New York City. You think we scared of anything? You think we write about God trying to muscle us and tough us out? We do that. You know, that's who we are. There you go. That was hardcore. Do you think we're scared? No. no I got guys, I guys from, from New, New Jersey. Jersey. Oh, that, I told you I want to make that my ringtone when everyone calls. I just want it to go, I got guys from New Jersey. I got guys from New Jersey. We're not scared of anything. So, I feel like that's you. That's totally your bravado. Yeah, you walk I'm in here so every day. You're like, fear. I don't have any fear. I'm from New Jersey. I'm, I'm Brian Fra. Again, you sound Irish again there. Talk the word There you go. There you go. So anyway, enjoying March Madness. Aubrey, I do want to talk about something that blew up the internet over the weekend, uh, blew up Twitter a little bit. And that is, ah, you told me you even use this term as apparently now tone deaf, but tone deafness, okay? It's not fully grasping what people are going through. And it has to do with inflation. Uh, uh, inflation's going crazy right now. Yes. Uh, even 
Did I tell you this? The cost of my favorite uh, unsweetened iced tea at Dunkin' Donuts has gone up 80 cents in the <gasps> no, last month or two. That's quite expensive. It Are really you serious? Is. It wow. really is. So everything's going up. Nothing more than gas prices yeah. right now. Nothing uh, nothing is outpacing gas prices. It's now in a weird way. We're getting used to spending 440 450 And so Ooh. Bloomberg opinion, Bloomberg uh, wrote an opinion piece about what people should do with inflation, how to deal with everything costing more. And I think they did this to be helpful, but it just kind of people were going, that just feels Ooh, let's toned hear it. Up. Let's hear it. So they said this. Inflation will sting most if you earn less than $300,000. So if you're making more, in their opinion, over $300,000. And the reason they say this is for somebody who makes over $300,000, you're spending 1% of your money in a month on gas. To people making down much lower at the poverty level, you're spending 9 10% of your money on gas because gas prices are the same for everybody. And it might be fair to say that a lot of America (laughs) lives under the $300,000 mark. Right. And so it goes as it goes further down. So they gave four things of how to deal with inflation. One, take the bus. Okay. Okay. Two, don't buy in bulk. Three, Try lentils instead of meat. (laughs) And number four, nobody said this would be fun. Stop it. And so people kind of went crazy a little bit. Like, how do you think this is helpful? Uh, You know, people are really dealing with this. This just sounds like let them eat cake, right? This kind of deal. And and I wanted to talk a little bit about how don't how do we make sure that we because everybody now wants to speak about everything. Yeah. I want to share my thoughts on everything. Aubrey, how do you know when you are not the right person to be speaking about something mm. so that you don't come across as as not understanding people's plight or what else, whatever else it might be? What's kind of your filter in times like this? Because I believe Bloomberg failed at this oh, this they, weekend. Yeah, they, they, <laughs> they failed so, so painfully, like... Like, it's like they're only speaking to, like, the one percenters, (laughs) let's be honest, of the population. How do you know when it's not your time to speak up? I guess when you're not in the plight, frankly. Mm. Like, let somebody else say, here's how you deal with inflation. Because you know what? There probably are really good tips for dealing with inflation and and ways that, you know, those of us who are on the ground suffering from this can actually make some differences in our budget. But I think to hear it from an opinion uh, that feels like it's like, oh, I'm better than you mm. or, oh, or you're, I mean, eat lentils instead of meat. Like, it's just very condescending, frankly. I think condescending is the right yeah. word. And, and so the Internet has gone crazy with it. it. Satire. Uh, somebody wrote this. They rewrote it and they said inflation stings most if you earn less than three hundred thousand dollars. Here's your best four options to fight inflation. One, make three hundred twenty five thousand a year. <laughs> Two, make 350000 a year. <laughs> Three, make 400000 a year. And four, make $400,000 a year. <laughs> That's good. But I think this reminds us, and we do this in the church. I do this as a pastor. People want, I'm a pastor. They want me to speak into everything. And you start speaking into people's plights, if you will. You start yeah. speaking into things that you don't understand. And you think that you're being sympathetic or empathetic or whatever else it might be. And in reality, you're not, you're not being helpful. Uh, and you're just kind of being condescending, as you said. And so I saw this running around the the internet. Inflation's difficult. Let's not add on top of it. Let's not be condescending yeah. to people who there are people, <laughs> some, some people in this studio uh, as well, really struggling with the amount of prices yes. that have gone up Absolutely. and this and that. And uh, the last thing we need across here is condescension. <laughs> It's hard to describe what it's like to sit with these girls, to connect with their pain. In their world, no one really cares about their thoughts and their feelings, what they've had to endure. These are not conversations that they're used to having. When a girl comes in the room, she is so nervous and she is so ashamed. But as she realizes that we genuinely care about her, she begins to open up. There's a common thread in all of their stories. Abuse, abandonment, helplessness, exploitation, all just things they're trying to survive. But each girl has endured unique tragedies. But one thing is certain, all of these girls are broken. 
Some are better at hiding it than others, but only for a little while. Welcome back to The Common Good here on AIM 1160, Hope for Your Life. When I was 10 years old, my mom died. My name is Brian Fromm, joined as always by Aubrey Sampson. It's so good to have you with us. And Aubrey, we are thrilled to be joined by our friend Todd Chapman from SOS mm-hmm. International as we talk about things that we as a, as a people here in the Chicagoland area, as the common good listeners, can be doing uh, in order to provide complete care for a child or woman to be rescued from human trafficking. Uh, we'll talk about the logistics in just a second. But Todd, how are you, man? It's good to see you. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about SOS International? Yeah, good to see you guys, too. And uh, grateful for the opportunity just to come on a little bit. I know throughout the month you have been uh, hearing from Hannah and Christy at SOS International, but uh, I'm a bit like the hired goon, you know. Uh, <laughs> sometimes I have to just send in the heavies. Uh, to, uh, you know, to, to move things along a little bit. And uh, I love the fact that we've been focusing on this all month, but the fact of the matter is we're getting down toward the end of the month mm-hmm. and uh, we're really hoping and praying that the uh, 1160 Hope family will provide a hundred months of rescue and rehabilitation ministry for the women and children that SOS is pulling out of trafficking situations. And uh, right now we're about 40% of the way there. So we're making nice. good progress, nice. but you know, 100 minus 40, we still have about 60% of the way to go. About $6,000 is what we're hoping we can have given here over the next couple of days. So I just wanted to come in and just kind of bring this back to the fore, because if you haven't noticed, there's a few things going on in the world right <laughs> wow, now. Wow, there yes. certainly is. That's right, Tyler. Yeah. It's kind of crazy, but SOS is an amazing ministry. Uh, Aubrey's had the chance to mm-hmm. spend some time talking with Hannah and Christy. And, uh, you know, the, the, the reality is that the, this is a blight on humanity globally, mm. the sex trafficking and the, the uh, human slavery situation. 40 million slaves minimum around mm. the world in 2022. I mean, that's a mind boggling number to right. me. It's something that frankly, I think a lot of us don't really think about because yeah. it just kind of lurks in the darkness. Yeah. But the reality is we're talking about the lives of women and children who have been through no fault of their own. Yeah. Uh, they've been pulled into this nightmare existence and they can't find their way out except for work of, of ministries like SOS International. And uh, so we're inviting you to be a part of what they do. And, and, and the long and short of it is this. Your $150 gift makes a way for one of these women or or children to get out of slavery because what SOS does is they provide a safe haven Mm -hmm. for these women and children when they make the choice to come out of their trafficking situation. They don't go in and rescue them because they figured out that that's not the best way uh, to, to, you know, to free these women and these children. They want them to make the choice, but they need to have a place that they can stay. They need to have food. They need medical care. They need counseling. And that's what you provide with your gift of $150. You give them a month's worth of that, uh, that rest, that rehabilitation ministry. And it's just truly amazing what yeah. SOS does. Uh, but I really want to encourage you, if you've heard about this throughout the month and you haven't taken action mm-hmm. yet, can you do it right now? That's because right. two things, number one, we still need about 60 more months of, of rescue to be provided. But number two, if you give right now during the common good, we have a very generous friend. You're going to come alongside and actually double Whatever you give, so you can try twice as much impact when you give right now. That's such good news. Again, a couple different ways you can do that. Uh, You can call 866-343-4717. That's 866-343-4717. Or go to 1160hope.com. That's 1160hope.com and click on the SOS International banner. Uh, Again, anything you give is being doubled. So today is the day to do this. Uh, again, 866-343-4717 or go to 1160hope.com to the SOS International Banner. Yeah, and Todd, you mentioned I, I got to spend some time with Hannah and Christine with you as well. And and honestly, when, I'll never forget one of the things that they talked about were young girls that are, I mean, actually in cages. And mm-hmm. and I asked Hannah and Christy, like, how do you keep doing this work? And, and they were like, look, once you know, you can't unknow. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's how I've been impacted by hearing the stories of the lives that they're rescuing. Like once you know that there are women and children around the world that are our daughters, our sisters, our, I mean, I think about my three sons, like these could be my three daughters mm-hmm. around the world in actual cages being subject to such horrific oppression. There's just not anything to do, but to take action, especially for those of us who know that we are to be called 
the light of the world mm-hmm. and the salt of the earth. Like, like it, we need to be the hands and feet of Jesus to these young girls and women. And so I love right now that you can, you can partner with this generous donor who's doubling every gift and provide a donation of $150. That's going to be matched. You can do that by calling right now. 866-343-4717, or you can go um, to 1160hope.com, click on that SOS International banner. Like Todd said, now is the moment to give and rescue, I mean, literally rescue some girls and some women who are in desperate need right now. Todd, can you share a story with us of some of the tremendous work that SOS is doing around the world? Yeah, actually, why don't we uh, why don't we go and, and air cut one, uh, Dan- uh, Daniela? This is mm-hmm. actually a fake name because we don't have the names of these uh, the, mm-hmm. the women we're actually uh, hearing from. But I want you to hear her story. Let's hear that. When I was 10 years old, my mom died, and that's when I started to lose track of my life. I had to sleep on the streets, try to find food. I was underage, so no one would give me a job anywhere. I had no other job opportunity. I had no recommendation, no education. I was prostituting myself to eat, to pay a hotel night to pay for a plate of food. Who has the generosity to help? Nobody. Men want something in return. People want something in return. I believe in God. All I ask him for is a stable job. A stable job. It's such a powerful story, Todd. And I guess what I'm wondering is help people understand exactly where's the money go. How does this money help people? Because it really does help save these lives. Yeah. So, so SOS International, we can't get too specific about the the countries or the, the cities they work in because this is, I mean, let's call it what it is. They are really fighting against organized crime. Yeah, that's right. That's what sex trafficking is. That's right. This is a huge money business. And so we need to be very careful. But they work in Asia, have been for about uh, over 20 years in Asia, and recently have expanded their work into Central America. And uh, these are two parts of the world where uh, trafficking is a huge, huge problem. And so what they do is they uh, they build relationships in these communities. And they have a couple pillars of what they do. Number one is prevention. Uh, because and, and one of the things they do, or a couple of things they do uh, to to help prevent women and children from getting trafficked is they provide them the basic things in life where if they can't get them, they're, they're very uh, at risk of being pulled into trafficking. We're yeah. talking mm-hmm. about food and water mm-hmm. and also the ability, a skill so that they can do something to earn a living and provide for their families. So that's the frontline things of what they do, but also they build relationships in these communities with women and children that have unfortunately already been trafficked and pulled into slavery. Mm -hmm. And over time, as they build those relationships, they begin speaking life into these women and these girls, and they begin planting seeds of, Hey, there's another way for you. I know you can't see it. Maybe you can't even believe it, but there is. And we've been able to help people get out. You can make the choice. And when you do, we're going to take care of you. We're going to be there for you. We've got a safe house. We can, you know, take care of you and your kids if they've got kids and many of them do. And so it's really, what they're really doing is just giving them the realization that there is hope. There is a way out and you make that possible because you provide the place that when they make that choice, they have someplace to go. Mm -hmm. Here's the deal guys. If, if there's, if the refuge isn't built, there's no place for these slavery victims to go. Mm. Yeah. They can't pull them out if they don't have someplace for them to go. You provide someplace for them to That's go. That's right. That's a, such a good word, Todd. Again, Wilbur, Wilbur, William Wilberforce famously said, you may choose to look the other way, but you can never say again that you did not know. And that's what we want to put before mm. you, our listener today, is I don't like talking about these things. I don't like hearing these stories, but this is what's going on uh, around the world, in our country, but also around the world. And you have a chance to make a difference. Uh, So for every donation, again, it is being matched today. Uh, And for just $150, that provides a month of complete care for a child or woman who's been rescued from human trafficking. So please pick up your phone and call 866-343-4717. That's 
343-4717 or go to 1160hope.com and click on the SOS International banner. Again, that's 1160hope.com, the SOS International banner. So I'll tell you right now that it costs $150 a month to completely support a woman. It, it supports her through that process of her mental health being addressed, her physical health being addressed, and being equipped with vocational training. It's just $150 a month for every month that she's in, in that program. Food, housing, all of it. You know, one of the things that we get a lot is people wanting to be part of the rescue, right? Like we watch the shows and we've seen enough SEAL teams go in and rescue. And and honestly, like one of the things we tell people is one of the most effective ways that you can be a part of the rescue is in mobilizing funds so that when we encounter girls that need to be rescued, the funds are there that we can instantly put that into action, right? Because any delay, any stall, traffickers are clever and they move things around. And and so it's hard because if you don't have that rescue and prevention fund that you can easily mobilize, it becomes very difficult when you step into communities where traffickers either are on their way to or have just come from. Like you, you have to have those resources at your disposal to be able to basically step in and create emergency plans quickly to secure women. Hey, friends, welcome back to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, alongside Aubrey Sampson. I'm Brian Fromm, and we are thrilled to be joined again by our friend Todd Chapman. Todd is with a wonderful organization called SOS International, uh, who is literally saving lives, who is helping uh, women who are coming out of human trafficking situations, and we're trying to support them right. here at AM 1160. We have a goal this month to raise eleven thousand over $11,000 in donations and that's why we want to spend some time with Todd here today. A uh, couple different ways that you can give. You can give toll-free at 866-343-4717. That's 866-343-4717. Or you can go to 1160hope.com and click on the SOS International banner. And, Todd, a lot of this is just so hard to talk about. But I think what's the most difficult for me is to think about the children who are mm. impacted, just the percentage of people we're talking about who are kids. Help us understand uh, the kid aspect of this conversation. Yeah, that was one of the things as I began uh, learning about, uh, you know, this, this blight on humanity, I was just shocked at how many kids uh, are victims of, of sex trafficking. It's staggering. It's primarily women and children uh, and mainly little little girls. Mm. Uh, 75% of all the 40 million plus people that are trafficked are women and children. And mm. so this is just a huge thing. And you, you know, you think about it, these kids, well, look, nobody does this voluntarily, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, it's something you do out of last resort. You yeah. don't have any other options, but oftentimes children are actually kidnapped and, and pulled into this, especially mm-hmm. in the poorest countries around the world. I didn't realize this until we started uh, talking with Hannah and Christy, but uh, that's why, you know, addressing the water issue and the food issue, absolutely massive to mm-hmm. proactively head some of this off because in particular, oftentimes, and I've seen this a lot as I've traveled in the developing world, you'll see women and, and little girls walking along the sides of these remote roads to fed wa- fetch water. Mm. And oftentimes they can be kidnapped and pulled into, into trafficking. Or, you know, they, they tell these just, uh, I mean, you can't even th- believe these stories are real sometimes no. because, um, you know, traffickers will come into these communities and actually make They'll lie. They'll make false promises. They'll say, hey, if you let your kids come with us, we're going to take care of them. We'll feed them because, you know, you obviously can't feed them and we'll take care of your kids and we'll get them good jobs and they'll send money back and then we'll reunite you with your children later. It's just lies. All they're trying to do is they're, they're predators. And so it's just it, 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 it is the ultimate in evil what's going on. And I, I know it's uncomfortable. I know it's something that you don't want to know That's about. Right. But we need to know about it as, as Christians because we need to rise up and stand and fight against it because it truly is a fight. Mm-hmm. And so that's what you can do uh, when you be, uh, join this ministry of SOS International and support them with your gifts of $150 or $50, $100, $1,000, whatever God lays on your heart. $150 will allow them to provide a month's worth of restoration and rehabilitation ministry for one person that has made that choice to come out mm-hmm. of slavery. And another cool thing I want to add in is that, you know, when a mom decides to make that choice and she's got kids, she's going to bring her kids out with her. Amen. So think about the trickle yeah. down. There impact, you go. Right? Yeah. I, I was just thinking about that, Todd, that, that, that your, your $150 gift, you know, helps rescue her. 
rehabilitate a woman, but then it has generational impact. And so I think we can't, we can't minimize that, Mm -hmm. that this is like, we're impacting generation after generation after generation. When you give this $150 gift, again, you can call 866-343-4717, or you can go to 1160hope.com and click on that SOS international banner and give right now to save the life of a young girl, a young woman, and again, future generations like Todd was just saying. The other thing I was thinking about too, I I saw somebody on Twitter say something like, is there no place safe Mm -hmm. for women and girls anymore? And Mm -hmm. that's a really uh, difficult question. I think it's a very sincere question. And I think what's beautiful, I'm going to get emotional talking about what's beautiful about SOS International is they are creating that safe space for women and girls. Mm -hmm. And if we partner with them, we get to be part of creating that safe space in the name of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so go ahead, Todd. It's great to have you with us today. And uh, give the plug one more time. We desperately want people to give to SOS International because of the difference it's making in vulnerable people's lives. So I want to give you the floor one more time. Yeah, and I just want to stress the urgency of this. You know, uh, uh, 1160 Hope allocated the month of March to do this, and we're getting toward the end of the month. And we've we've been hoping and praying that around $11,000 can be given. That's sort of about, about 100 months of ministry uh, to these victims. And we're about 40% of the way there. So that's awesome, mm-hmm. uh, but we still need some more help. So yeah. if you've heard about this and God's laid it on your heart, and you know when he does, right? The Holy Spirit is relentless, man. The Holy Spirit is like, right. knock, <laughs> knock, 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 knock. I'm not going to leave you alone. I want you to do this. <laughs> if you're feeling that, that, please just respond. I, I say, and this is not irreverent, get the Holy Spirit off your back, right? <laughs> I mean, just do, do what uh, the Holy Spirit is telling you to do. You're going right. to feel so good. good. Think about And you're not really going to understand the impact you're having That's right. until you meet these people in mm-hmm. heaven. But man, you can have an eternal impact. So please be as generous as you can. And uh, you can make your gift right now. Just go to 1160hope.com. There's a red banner. It says SOS International. It's got a, a beautiful young, young gal standing there. Uh, or if you're in the car, 866-343-4717. Thank you, Stacy. Thank you, Karen, Joan, Betty, Edith, Margaret, Dennis, Janet have all given. Amen. Uh, Leola gave $150 a month. That's Woo! amazing. That's awesome. Thank awesome. you. Thank That's you, Leola. awesome. So again, 866-343-4717. That's 866-343-4717. We've been partnering with SOS International all month to provide much-needed resources for women and children in human trafficking situations around the world. And your gift of $150 today will be matched by a generous donor. So your gift of $150 will actually provide more than one month of rehabilitation for these women and girls. And you can give by going to the SOS International banner at 1160hope.com. Brian, we're going to switch topics here, but um, tell me, uh, did you watch any movies over the weekend? I did not. It was basketball, basketball, basketball. Oh, that's right. It's March Madness for you. That's right. All I did this weekend was watch basketball. All right. Well, your favorite movie I know, Field of Dreams. That is definitely near the top of the list for sure. Field of Dreams has a very iconic line. (laughs) Yes, it does. And that is? Dad. You want to have a catch? Oh, that's not the one I was thinking of, but that is another very iconic one. No, when that one, you know, there's actually a bunch of iconic lines in in Field of Dreams. Everything, if you build it, they Mm -hmm. will come. That's what I was thinking. Uh, Or or you've got the speech about baseball, the history, James Earl Jones about the history of baseball. And it's a. But for me, I know, and for most people, I think when they watch that, because really Field of Dreams is, it's a movie about baseball. It's a movie, but it's also a movie about fathers and sons, yeah, right? Like the whole yeah. point yeah. builds up at the end. And so I, you know, I have a son who loves baseball and I'll never forget the first time Jackson and I ever, he was little, little, first time we ever threw a ball outside and Carrie was looking at the window <laughs> and I turned to Carrie and I just mouthed, dad, want to have a catch? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, this is my field I of dreams I mean, moment. field of dreams. It's still, every time I watch mm-hmm. that movie, and this is what makes movie lines iconic, right? Anytime you watch a movie and, like, you know the line's coming, but you still, like, the hair still, yeah. like, stands up on your arm or, like, you just, yeah. that's it. And I, all of these are flooding into my mind right, of what those too. are. But but that one in that movie, Dad, you want to have a catch. That I is think it. another one. Uh, what's, you'll know the name of this movie. Is it, uh... You can't handle the truth. No, a few good men. A few good men. Come I was on. like, Goodfellas? No, that's not right. A few good men. Yeah, that's a big, that's a really that good That whole one. speech there by mm-hmm. Jack Nicholson and Tom Cruise going back and forth. You want the truth? You I can't think. handle yes, the truth. Yes, that is it. Yeah, that I haven't seen it. that one in a while. Okay. 
Well, Brian, uh, Relevant Magazine, our friends over there, posted something called Iconic Movie Lines that don't work in a real relationship. <laughs> and I thought it was so entertaining. We had to talk about it on the show. Okay, so you can probably guess some of what's going to be on here, but I'll say the first one. I think this is the most obvious one. You complete me. Jerry Maguire. Yep, that's right. Now, why wouldn't that work in real life? We've actually, I've talked about this even in a sermon. I think every pastor has oh. used you complete me at some point. <laughs> Uh, it's because of this. Uh, we were never meant to complete uh, ourselves, our, each other. Like that's not that's asking too much of my spouse. Ooh. Or if you're in a relationship, it's asking something that they do not have the ability to do. That's good. And obviously, we in, in, as Christians believe that we are only find quote unquote completeness in a relationship yeah. with Jesus Christ and in that forgiveness and that transformation. Like that is where we find that hope and that quote unquote completeness. But when we think it's kind of the the disneyfication of, yes. of what we believe about relationships like if i just find my prince charming or if i just find my princess then i'm good this mm. hole in my heart is going to be filled that's good and and i'm going to be red i'm everything's going to be okay and i'm going to be complete and then you get married and you start yeah. doing life together and you start just going through it and you realize well, that's not exactly it. That's those not same, what happened. Those same <laughs> issues I had are still there and those same longings. So yeah. if you look at your wife or your husband and you go, you complete me, uh, you're setting them up on a pedestal. Mm. They will never be able to mm. withstand. And you're going to have trouble because of that. Man, that was good, Brian. You it's just preached a whole sermon on that. Thank you. Okay, here's another one. This is <laughs> This is from an old movie, but a goodie, Napoleon Dynamite. Napoleon Dynamite. I love that movie. Here we go. LaFonda is the best thing that has ever happened to me. I'm 100% positive she's my soulmate. They say that one is uh, problematic. You can't use that in real relationships because a close relative of you complete me. The concept of soulmate is just as silly. It presumes that God created a person out there who is the perfect fit for you. They say the better alternative to God offers, the better alternative that God offers is to put two different people in a marriage so their differences can be a part of the refining process. As Gary Thomas said in Sacred Marriage, you and I have quoted this on the show, Brian, God didn't create marriage to make you happy, but to make you holy. Mm. No, you know what's so interesting? Kevin and I were doing premarital counseling recently with a couple, and the um, groom is a, a pretty strong Calvinist, and he said, I do believe that God created the perfect person for me. She, like, she is my soulmate. God ordained that we were supposed to be together. And so I thought, well, that's a kind of a different take on this soulmate. Did concept. you say call me back in five years? Here's the problem. <laughs> Much to no. the you complete me is uh, when we discuss the idea of soulmate. Yeah. Okay. Like you yeah. can have that existential question of about, course, did, is course. there one person ordained for me or whatever? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I, Carrie and I have joked about like, if one of us had chosen not to go to Wheaton or if one yeah. of us, yeah, oh, Whatever. Who knows who you'd end up with? Here's yeah. the here's the ultimate problem with this, and and it, it goes along the lines of this same category of you complete me is if I say that my wife is my soulmate, yeah, it implies that we are going to fit together perfectly like a puzzle, right? Like yes. we are never. Oh, that's good. She, my deficiencies are her strengths and her strengths are my deficiencies. Yes. I just say strengths for her twice. <laughs> we got it. We got it. And that we're going to fit together uh -huh. like Hannah. Well, that's just not how the day-to-day -day of marriage works yep. all the time. Uh, you know, do I think that my wife is the most perfect person for me that I've ever? Obviously. Absolutely. Yes, you love your wife. No doubt. Is Does that mean that she and I are perfect? No. Right. We're right. not even perfect today. Right. And so <laughs> you just have to, you got to be careful with your language yeah, here. Good. Like, I understand to preordain this. Okay. Sure, sure. That doesn't mean you're not going to have problems. Yes. And I think soulmate implies no problems. Lack of completeness apart from you. All of yeah, this. Yeah. Happily ever after. Yeah. All of these things imply. No, like no total more problems. compatibility at all times, correct. which is just not a correct picture. Okay. Here's a good one, Brian. I love you. You're my only reason to stay alive. This is Edward Tabella in New Moon. So this is the Twilight series. And I mean, I let's be clear. That's super codependent. And there that's why that's not healthy. The other person should not be the only reason you stay alive. Certainly stay alive for your spouse. Stay alive for your kids. But the only reason that gets a little bit dangerous. That's a bit much. This writer says a better alternative is to focus on living out God's unique calling on your life and then invite your spouse along for the ride or go along with your spouse for their unique calling and their ride. 
God is everything. Your spouse is just the extra stuff. That's what they say. I feel like that's good. All right. I got another very famous one, Brian. Are you ready for it? You've been preaching some good sermons on this. So let's see what you say about this. As you wish. Is that Princess Bride? Yes, that's Princess Bride. That's Wesley to Buttercup. What's problematic about that one? I, I told you, by the way, that I married into the Princess Bride. <laughs> oh, like, yeah, I'd never seen story. it until we got, Carrie and yes, I got married, and yes. her family loves the Princess Bride. As you wish. Uh, no, my, my goal is not to do whatever my wife wishes and vice versa. We are a team, right? Yes. We are now linked together. Good. And it's Sometimes it's my wishes, sometimes it's hers, uh-huh. sometimes it's neither of ours, sometimes our wishes line up, whatever else it might be. We're looking out for the, the, the greater good of the family. Occasionally, you need to be able to say no to your wife. Yes. You need to be able to say no That's to your husband. Healthy. You need to have those kinds of things set up. Again, yeah. so many of these are the... I used the word before, the Disneyfication Absolutely. of like everything's going to be perfect yeah. and it goes, no, yeah. marriage is, uh, it, it, it takes work. Any, any more not from this list come to mind for you, uh, by the okay. way? Well, I actually do want to read this one from the list okay. because it's good, but I'll tell you why. Let, okay. me, let me read it and I'll tell you why this has always made me so angry. Okay, here it is. This is from Love Actually, that very iconic scene where the guy is holding the signs out in front of the woman's door. Here's what it says. But for now, let me say, without hope or agenda, to me, you are perfect. And my wasted heart will always love you. Here's what I don't like about it. (laughs) She's married. Oh. And you can't. I think she married his best friend, if I'm remembering the movie right. So, one, I mean, she's not perfect because nobody's perfect. That's problematic in and of itself. He's saying it to a married gal. So that, to me, this is off the table as healthy. This is not okay. Step away from the signs. Walk out the door. All right, Brian. uh, Any more that we missed or you feel like we covered it pretty well? I, I would uh, I would go back. I would hearken back to the iconic line of Braveheart in which he yells, freedom! <laughs> <laughs> Does that work in all relations? All right. Well, is there an iconic movie line that we missed? Is there one that has actually worked for you in real life? We want to know. You can find us on social media at Common Good Talk. When we return, I have an etiquette lesson for you, Brian, and for the whole world listening. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. We want the truth. You want the truth? You can't handle the truth. No truth handler, you. Bah, I deride your truth handling abilities. We like to plant a question once a week. We call this our social media water cooler. And towards the end of every week, we talk about how you responded, what you had to say to us. So we've got a question coming up that I'm going to post later today, and we want to hear from you. You can find us again at Common Good Talk. Okay, Brian. I want to talk etiquette. I want to have an etiquette lesson. Not that I need with it. You. No, you're a, you're a very polite person. Stop. I need it. Um, My wife, I, this is her favorite thing we've ever done here. When she said, "I need to talk to you about she's etiquette," like, yes, finally. <laughs> Actually, you know what's funny? I grew up in the South, Oklahoma, Georgia, and had to take cotillion lessons where we did learn etiquette, like how to sit and you're, you know. Did I tell you that and... my son is in the eighth grade, and they just finished like a five or six week thing on Friday nights. Of etiquette, and this now sounds just, like just the, but it's like the kids love it, and yeah. just this past Friday, because it it's fun. like oh, every Friday you like do something, mm-hmm. they all hang out here, yeah, whatever. You're with your friends, and this past Friday they they did like. They had a meal at the school, and yes. you had to like practice your manners, and then they had a dance, and then it turned into a big mosh pit, this and it was a ton of fun. Southern upbringing that your yeah. your uh, but the son weird is th- going through. The weird thing is, and I'm sorry, I'm taking you off no, the subject please, here. The weird thing is, is that it is optional. But most of the eighth graders do it because it's like a fun. It's a fun activity. But if you went and watched it, it's not fun except for the extenuating things of hanging out before, getting yeah. dressed up. So it's a weird deal. I, I'm kind of like, I'm like, oh, I'm glad that that's fun. Yeah. But if I described it to you, hey, on Friday night, do you want to go learn to dance awkwardly with a middle school girl <laughs> and, uh, like, you know, and practice like eat using like your, your utensils? You'd be like, yeah. I'd rather do anything than that. But like 80% of the class does it that's... and it kind of pays off this past I Friday. So anyway, etiquette. So not fun. just a southern not thing. Not just a southern thing. It's spreading around the world. There you go. All right. We I, hope. Except on Twitter. Yeah, really. <laughs> can I teach you some etiquette when you're um, dealing with someone who is a lost a loved one? Oh, about to get dark. Yes. Yeah, it's about to get dark. Okay, I'm just going to tell you the story, and then I want to hear your Please response. Please do. So I was somewhere at a place which shall not be named, and I saw someone who shall not be named, and that person asked how life has been and I said oh you know it's been we've actually had kind of a rough season we're finally coming out of it this happened this happened this happened. oh and I don't know if you know but my husband's mom died from COVID and the first thing this person mm-hmm. said was I'm ready 
of COVID or with COVID? Just like that. She didn't say, I'm so sorry for your loss. She didn't say, oh, that's awful. She, of COVID or with COVID? Mm. Now, here's the thing. I said, well, she had COVID and she couldn't fight it and she died. And then I changed the subject because I thought the only reason you're asking that question is because you have an agenda yes. about COVID. Yes. And that's fine. If you want to have an agenda about COVID, you have an agenda about COVID. Don't say it. Don't put your agenda on the person who's grieving. Just say, I'm so sorry for your loss. Yeah, there's done and done. Then go talk to your coworker or somebody else about your COVID agenda. <laughs> it was so condescending. It was yeah. so rude. And I thought to myself, if if this person were to say to me they lost their mother-in-law to, to uh, a heart attack, I'm not going to ever in a million years say, with a heart attack or of a heart attack? You know, you're or just not going to do that. If somebody came up to you and said, I, we had a tragic loss, my father died of lung cancer, you wouldn't go, was he a smoker? No, 100%. You'd you say, would not do that. I'm it so sorry for your to, loss. I'm you so call it loss. etiquette, but it just gets back to the really basic common decency of empathy That's and sympathy. Yes. We've lost the ability lost in many it. of our conversations to be empathetic. Right. Empathy being, I'm going to step into what you're going through and, and just mm-hmm. try to say, oh, I'm, I'm really sorry for mm-hmm. this. And uh, sympathy, likewise, y- we, for some reason, uh, with all the polarization in our world yeah. and all this, yeah. uh, and COVID's a huge one. COVID like is for a something one. for this person, it meant something to them. Yeah. To disprove the fact yes. that your mother-in-law died of COVID. Absolutely. They and somehow that. that made her feel better mm-hmm. to say, oh, maybe she died with COVID. Right. It's like somebody, if I were to come up to you and be like, oh, you know, my loved one died of COVID. And the first thing you said was, well, there had to be comorbidities. Right. I'd say, I don't care what you think. Right. Like, right. be empathetic. I right. need you to sit in this if you're actually my friend and be empathetic. Just it's say I'm the, sorry. It's the book of Job, yeah. right? Job's friends decide we're going to explain everything. Mm. We're going to answer everything. Most of the time, people who are hurting don't need that. Nope, they don't uh, need it. They just need you to be empathetic, to be sympathetic. And uh, you can tell I don't really know the difference between empathetic and sympathetic because I keep just linking them. <laughs> uh, so I'm sorry you had to go through that. Thank you. That's That's really painful, and that does lack etiquette. I, I do. I, th- I think you're right. And this is actually why I wanted to bring it up. I didn't just want to vent about this person, but, but I do think we have lost empathy, like mm-hmm. you said. And and we've lost just like kindness, especially mm-hmm. when it comes to things that are connected to COVID. Mm-hmm. And I look, I know it's pointed and heavy and hard. And, and we have opinions. We have appeal. Yes. And feelings. I understand all of that. I just think. Let's step back a little bit from all of those things. Let's get off of our soapbox a little bit and be decent humans to each other again. And then when you're in your, you know, when you get back on your soapbox in the appropriate place and time, Mm -hmm. you can debate what you want to. But you're not when you're talking about someone's grief and pain. Right. And I mean, I literally was saying it's been a very hard year. You know what I mean? Like, just. okay. so, Brian, you and Carrie have been through some hard grief Uh before. Uh You've talked honestly and openly on the show about having miscarriage or two. Uh. What what should people say to you? What should people say to me? Like what in the what, midst or of loss. what do we not say? Maybe is a better question. What do we not say in loss? So when it came to miscarriage, the worst thing we heard from people is somebody literally said this to my wife, uh, mere days after having a miscarriage, said, When you have your baby, you will forget about this. I mean, I and can't. I'm speechless. I grabbed my wife <gasps> and pulled her away before did. anything bad happened. Because <laughs> you're just she like, started swinging. <laughs> you're just like, what is this? But more generically, yeah. when it comes around uh, grief and loss, um, you know, uh, you're going to, you made a little bit of a list here, but you're going to grow from this. Mm-hmm. Uh, God needed another angel. Yeah, that's not good. Um, God only gave you this because he knows you strong enough to handle it. Mm-hmm. And these are regular refrains. I think everybody yeah. hears them. And I think they come often, not the COVID one, but right. the other ones come from a, a good heart. I think so, too. They're just completely misguided. Yeah. They're, yeah. The, and it comes also from, Aubrey, if you go through something, I feel the desire to fill the silence with something and encourage That's you somehow. It. Yeah. But in reality, my encouragement for you is probably highly discouraging mm. for you, as opposed to if I said... Aubrey, I don't know what to say to you. Mm-hmm. Just know that I love you and I'm praying for you. Yeah. And if you need anything, call my wife or I, and That's we'd perfect. be glad to be there yeah. for it. So 
Uh, but we struggle with that. We really do. And, and that's what makes it hard. Yeah, I think anytime, and I've said this on the show before, Brian, I think you may have as well, but anytime you're just trying to like balance the scales of someone's pain and grief and make it okay for them, anytime you have that instinct to just go, well, this happened so that, or oh, but don't worry because of maybe just kind of actually get quiet instead. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. like Brian said, just say, look, I'm here for you. I'm so sorry for your loss. That's so terrible. And then if it's important to you that that person feels hope in the midst of it, you can pray that God would do that in God's perfect timing. Because the reality is people who are grieving need to have permission and will grieve as long as they need to. And let me also, I'll, I'll end my time with this. Let me suggest that if you feel the need at some point, you have a good enough relationship to provide encouragement uh, you you can't lose by giving encouragement straight from Scripture mm. versus your own wisdom of going, well, you know, like nowhere in the Bible does it say God needed some angels every now and then. Right. So he's going to take a kid right. like that's never what happens. <laughs> so but instead, it does say God is near to the brokenhearted. Yeah. So, hey, I'm really sorry for your loss. Uh, what I'm praying for you is out of the book of Psalms that God be near to you because yeah. it says he's near to the brokenhearted. Like mm. there's truth in that. And I think that's always better than making up some platitude that makes you feel better, but probably is actually going to make them feel it's worse. injurious to them. Yeah, that's a good word for all of us. Can I give a little behind-the-scenes baseball here? <laughs> I wish you wouldn't, Brian. I gave you a gummy bear to eat right before we went on, <laughs> and you just spit it I across. I just spit it out. I just spit it out. <laughs> I Thank love you. It. Thank you, Brian. I was trying to act like, I I was trying to act it. like a professional. Nonchalant. I kind of <laughs> set you up on that one. That was my that bad. That was mean. That was very it's mean, It's been a fun Brian. show today. It's been a very fun yeah. show today. Well, we'd like to bring you a smile uh, at the end of every show so hopefully that just did it aubrey spitting out a gummy bear (laughs) when we went on air but um actually brian there was kind of a not even kind of there was a very powerful inspirational story on the huffington post a woman talking about how her um diagnosis of multiple sclerosis changed her Mm. life both in positive ways and negative ways and i thought it was so powerful i just wanted to share um a few things about her story And then we can talk about, you know, when life surprises us, especially with hard news. What in the world are we supposed to do? Mm. This woman um, talked about she was diagnosed in her 20s. For a while, she couldn't do her job as a journalist because there was a nagging pain directly behind her right eye. Finally, she went to the doctor, did some tests on her. She had some follow-up appointments, and she was diagnosed with MS. And she talks about one of her biggest fears was she'd not be able to find someone uh, a partner in life, a boyfriend, someone to get married to because she was afraid her disease would completely take over her life. And the doctor's advice was just to pretend like she was any other 26-year-old woman. The doctor said, a little denial will do you good. Go out and enjoy your Mm. life. Three years later, she ended up meeting somebody, and um, she tried to keep her illness under wraps. She didn't want to tell him, but eventually she had fallen in love with him, and she knew, okay, I have to tell him my secret and, of course, he took it wonderfully. He said, I'm so glad you told me, and now he's her partner in life. But, Brian, here's here's kind of the money quote from her story. Here's what she says. When I think back to my diagnosis, I remember being so surprised by how fast life can change. Now I see the flip side of that. Life can normalize just as quickly. Multiple sclerosis doesn't affect everyone, but none of us are immune to the ups and downs of life. My illness has taught me how to surrender to periods of chaos and in turn appreciate the wonderful stretches of calm. And I thought that part was so impactful that her illness taught her how to surrender to periods of chaos because I don't think a lot of us do that well. Mm -hmm. And then also appreciate the wonderful stretches of calm because life brings us both. So, Brian, if, if you were pastoring, if you're like preaching a message based on this topic alone, how do we surrender to periods of chaos? How do we appreciate wonderful stretches of calm, especially in light of, you know, life surprising you with a really hard diagnosis or a job transfer or a, you know, just some transition in life? Where would you even begin to encourage people? Mm, that's good. Uh, and I've never personally had to deal with something to this level, yeah. right? Like if she's 26 years so old. young. When she got this diagnosis, and you'd have to think um, the difficulty would be, how do I not just shut down? How do I not just go? I I would think, especially as Christ followers, where I would want to start is, and we talked about this earlier in the show, I'd want to start about God's presence. Mm. But God says uh, that, A, God doesn't make mistakes, but also 
that God says, even in the brokenness of this world, I will be near. I will be, I'll be with you. I'll be near to the brokenhearted. And I do think that actually makes a difference mm. because what else is the promise in the book of Philippians uh, that we can pray, uh, not be anxious. Like if I got an MS diagnosis, the anxiety would be off the of charts. Of course it would. And it doesn't, the Bible doesn't say that anxiety is sinful, that anxiety is wrong, right. but it says uh, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's not, you know, God will take mm. away all your anxiety or that's a wrong thing to feel. No, mm. it says I'm present. I will provide a supernatural peace for you. So I think I'd want to start there. Good. And then on a on a very day-to-day practical thing, I'd want to say, hey, um, look around and see what's good still, mm. right? Like. I would think a, di- a diagnosis like that could cloud everything. Yeah. But instead, you still have a life ahead of you. You mm-hmm. still have good things. Like, what are some things you can celebrate and lean into while going through this? So I, that's kind of where I would land this. Where would you, uh, so where good, would you land? I, I mean, like you I just sat under a Brian Fromm sermon. But you wrote it. the book on lament. You wrote I the book on. I did write a book on lament. You know, my, my situation is not the same as hers. But I was, in 2015, I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease called rheumatoid arthritis that impacted my ability to. I mean, honestly, to walk. I'm not exaggerating when I say that. My husband was carrying me around the house for a while until I was finally diagnosed. And there were days when I couldn't go up and down the stairs. I was just sleeping on our couch because I just couldn't do anything else. There were days I couldn't pick up a coffee cup because it was too heavy. I could. This is a little graphic, but like I couldn't put deodorant on because to take the lid off the deodorant was so, so painful. Kevin was tying my shoes. I mean, it was just a... I felt like I was a different person and it was such a weird like line in the time like a demarcation in the timeline of my life because I was a healthy I was running every day several miles a day and then suddenly like boom I got hit with this disease and everything changed my Mm. my career changed my family life changed my marriage changed my mothering changed and it it was a period of chaos and I didn't surrender well to it Brian Mm, like I I have to be honest it it was devastating to grieve that and to face it and to wonder if I would ever be quote unquote normal again or what quote unquote normal would look like again. And um, I did write a book on lament because of that, because it was the spiritual discipline of lament, literally crying out to God in my pain and grief where God met me. And then I would say, even though I hated that season, I'm so grateful to have gone through it with God at my side because the way he showed up was so tremendous and so powerful um, but I do think I this where she talks about appreciating the wonderful stretches of calm, that was definitely a that was a spiritual discipline for me because I was so focused on what I was losing that it was hard to like get some perspective on when there were good seasons and what um the blessings in the middle of the hard things. I had to be very intentional about like writing down blessings, mm, naming things I saw God doing. Like joy hunting, for lack of a better word. Like God, where are you? And and then honestly writing them down so that I would remember. Okay, God showed up here. God showed up here. God showed up here. And now, I mean, you know, I was diagnosed in 2016, 2015, and I or maybe got sick in 2015. Was diagnosed a little bit later, but I am I'm doing great now. Like you know, I don't look like mm-hmm. a sick person. I'm feeling healthy with the help of a lot of doctors and good medication that I finally got. There you go. I'm a, I finally you, got. You know, I, it, it's a reminder that you don't know the future. That's too. it. Brian. You don't know what's going to come, and so you want to continue just kind of pushing forward and this and that. And I, I, you know, not to minimize it. Hopefully, you hear the gravity that we feel about this. But if you are struggling right now. We would encourage you spend time in prayer, cry mm, out to God yeah. like he's he, we're invited to do so. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I, we believe you'll hear from him and yeah. he will provide what he promises to provide. Yeah, that's good. And I, I think the other thing is this is easier for me to say now that I'm in the other other side of things. But I do think you can have a perspective that though this feels like it may last forever and though it might be chronic and debilitating like, you know, something like MS or another autoimmune disease, there is hope for the future that that one day in Jesus, like there will be no more sickness. Mm-hmm. This is the promise of Revelation 21 that Brian and I talk about a lot. There will be a day with no more sickness, no more pain, no more grief, no more sorrow. And so that's what we're looking for. Too. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. We hope that encouraged you. We'll be back again tomorrow from 4 to 6 p.m. For Brian Fromm, I'm Aubrey Sampson, and you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.